Good morning. It is great to be here. I loved what Curtis said this morning. This is the greatest time and some of the worst times for some people. The greatest gift that has ever been given, and yet going through some of the hardest times we've ever done. But God is good and faithful. Amen? Amen. When you came in, you should have gotten an index card. If you didn't, in just a minute, when we, have, we stand up, you can go to the back and grab one. You're going to need this. This is my interactive message to keep you awake. Um, no, so you're going to need this. This is a, a, a part of what we're going to be doing today. Um, would you stand with me as we read the word starting in Joshua chapter 4? Now when all the nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, take for yourself 12 men from the people, one man from each tribe, and command them saying, take up for yourselves 12 stones from here out of the middle of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet are standing firm, and carry them over with you, and lay them down at the lodging place where you will lodge tonight. So Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the sons of Israel, one man from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Cross again to the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you. We'll stop there and we'll continue in just a minute. Father, we want to say thank you for your goodness. We want to say thank you for your, um, your protection and for the things that you have given us and granted us. Lord, we thank you that we have an opportunity to be here this morning whether in person or online, and that, God, we're giving you the freedom to speak into our lives, to have your way, to do what you want to do. We're inviting you, Holy Spirit, to come and minister to us personally so that we can be and have an impact in the world that you place us in at this time. And we give you all the glory and the praise. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. message is called A Time to Remember. I heard several years ago from a pastor this quote, I don't think or I don't believe that our greatest shortcoming is not feeling bad enough about what we've done wrong. I think our greatest shortcoming is not feeling good enough about what God has done right. I'll say it again. Our greatest shortcoming is not about how bad we feel when we do something wrong. Our greatest shortcoming is, whoops, I missed it, not feeling good enough about what God has done right. We have, an, we have this problem of forgetting quickly, and we need to celebrate more, and we tend to celebrate less, and we need to celebrate better. And uh, about a year and a half ago, um, I was in this conversation with some people, and there was a lot of reminiscing about an event that we were at, and people kept recalling all these things that happened uh, during that event. And I remember sitting there thinking, I am, I'm jealous of how people remember certain things at certain events. I don't seem to do that. And I really felt the Lord speak to my spirit and say, it's because you don't take time to reflect and remember. And I was like, whoa, okay. And the message that I got is like, okay, what would I do? What do I do? And that, that word was to rest. 
to think back and to remember that we, especially me, needs to take the time to really think about what just happened. So a little insight into Derek, my personality. Um, I, I think I have a lot of ideas. I have a lot of plans. Um, I'm a visionary. I like to think out. And the problem is there's a lot of effort and energy that goes into the next big thing. But once I get to that big thing, I am not enjoying the moment. I am thinking of the next thing. And what God's message to me was this, enjoy the moment. Enjoy the thing that you've worked hard to get to. Enjoy that. Take it all in. And when it's over, take time to rest. Take time to remember and reflect on the things that happened. And let me tell you, for the last year and a half, that has been very good for me. It's been good for me to journal and write down the things that God's been doing and speaking in my own life, but also in the things that have been happening um, throughout the course of the events and the things that we've done. It's easy to come up with ideas. It's easy for me to come up with plans. Most of those things fall to the wayside and just go away. And, and a lot of times that's because I don't, it either doesn't need to happen, and then once it does happen, I don't take the time to reflect on, on it. And we need to celebrate better. I need to celebrate it better. The church needs to celebrate better the things that God is doing. Throughout Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, it talks about giving thanks to the Lord. And in the Old Testament alone, it's over 100 times. And in the Psalms alone, it's a quarter of that. It's our third. It's give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because He is good. His love endures forever. Giving thanks and giving praise and learning how to celebrate um, is important as the body of Christ. So we'll go back to our scripture in a minute. I'm a quick review. Just before they're passing over the Jordan, they'd stood in this place before, 40 years earlier. They had gone through the wilderness. They had come to the river Jordan. And Moses is with the Israelites. They're standing there. They send 12 men um, over to check out the land and see what was there and to come back and give a report. If you grew up in church like I did, then you know the story. Twelve men went to spy on Canaan, right? Ten were bad, two were good. I could never do it as fast as some people. So twelve guys go to check out the land. They come back with this report. Yes, it's got tons of great stuff. It's full of fruit and there's all of this, all of this goodness there. But ten, ten of the men said, but... There are giants in the land, and they're too powerful, and they're too big for us. We're too small. We'll be defeated. And two of them, Caleb and Joshua, said, it's true. All of this, there's a bounty of everything there. It's flowing. It's, it's ours. And true, there are giants in the land, but God has given this to us. Let's go. And fear began to set in on the people, and they followed the report of the ten. And the Bible says this, that the Lord said, because you have chosen to rebel against me, because you chose to follow and fear man instead of fearing God, you're not entering into the promised land. And for every day that you were, those men were in the promised land, you will spend one year in the wilderness. And everyone 20 years old and older that in the military will never see the promised land, but they'll die in the wilderness. So this is 40 years later. They've just crossed over into the promised land. And we pick it up again. And each of you will take up a stone on his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Israel. Let this be a sign among you, so that when your children ask later, saying, what do these stones mean to you? They shall say to you, 
you shall say to them, because the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall become a memorial to the sons of Israel forever. It's important to retell the stories and the things that God has done in our life. It's not just important for us telling the story as a reminder to us. It's important for the people that are hearing it. And, and so here, here we are. They're at the other side of the Jordan. They're building this memorial so that every time we, they see it, every time they pass by it, every time someone asks, what are these here for? They can remember the story. They can remember what God has done. There are times in our lives where we're going to come up to an impossible situation, a tough time, a struggle, and we're going to wonder, where is God? And we need to look back at what God has done in our past so that we can move forward to the thing that he has ahead for us. And so often we, we get stuck because we're looking at our situation, we're looking at our circumstances, and we're looking and saying, this seems impossible, and we've forgotten what God has done in the past. The first time when the Israelites came up to the River Jordan and they, they became afraid and they decided, no, we're not going over now, they had forgotten everything that God had done in their lives up to that point. He gave them water from a rock, he gave them manna, he gave them quail, he, he rescued them from uh, the Egyptians, all of these things had taken place, and then they forgot. And the fear of man set in instead of the fear of God. The trust of God and the fear of man. We need to remember what God did, said, and the experiences that we've encountered in his presence and share them with other people. God said, build this altar and serve as a reminder for the things that he's done so they could remember, so they could tell their children of the miracles that God had done. We need to tell our children the stories that are in the Bible. We need to sit down with them. We need to open it up. We need to share the stories with our kids. Parents, grandparents, anyone who is around kids. It's, it's valuable. It's invaluable. It's valuable. We need to sit down with them and we need to tell them the stories of the Bible. We need to relay them to them. And when they ask us why, we need to tell them why. When they ask us what this means, we need to tell them what it means. Look, they're inquisitive. They want to know. It's up to us to tell them the stories of the Bible and to relay the truth of what the Bible says. That's on us. That's our responsibility. That was the importance of the memorial stones. Build these stones so you could tell your children and they can tell their children. This is a reminder of what God did at the River Jordan. Parents, we need to, be, we need to take up responsibility and, and, and get our kids in the position to hear the stories of God. That means children's church. Yeah, I'm getting on a little thing here. Children's church, youth ministry, having them sit in church. And if they say they don't want to be here, so what? Bring them anyway. They're, they're our responsibility. Let's get them in to hear the stories and to hear the things of God and what's going on in the world besides all the junk. I grew up, I heard this story growing up all my life. When I, when I left the hospital, I didn't go home. I didn't go to my, see my grandparents. None of that. When I was born, I went to, right to church. It was Wednesday night. There was church happening that night, so my parents took me to church. That was my first experience outside of the hospital. I went to church. I can't tell you how many times I have fallen asleep on the pew or under the pew or on somebody's lap at church because I was always there. 
My grandfather was a pastor. I fell asleep on his, in, during his messages. My father was a pastor. I fell asleep during his messages. No, you cannot fall asleep during this message. Okay? Thank you. We need to have our kids in here hearing the stories. I can recount so many stories, these amazing God stories that I heard growing up, sitting in the pew from the pastor sharing or the missionary sharing the stories of the things that God had done, watching the slideshows, seeing the videos, seeing the, uh, what do they call it, the, the dr- drama and all of that stuff, sitting in the pew and hearing and seeing the things that God has done. It's important and it's valuable for us. It's vital for us to have our kids sit and to hear us tell the stories and them to hear the stories of what God is doing. It's also important for us to tell them our story. How did you come to know Christ? Well, how did you come to go to this church? What has God done in your life? Tell your kids those things. What are the miracles that have happened in your life? Share them with your kids so they can hear them. I never knew my great-grandfather on my mom's side, but I can tell you some stories about him because my grandfather told them to his kids and they told them to me. The value of telling stories about things in people's lives. And this is what God is trying to relay to us through this passage. The memorial stones are set up as a reminder to look back and see what God has done. We know the scripture in Proverbs 22.6, train up your child in the way you should go. But I want to look at Psalm 78. It's not as popular, but it's powerful. It says, oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories that we have heard and know, known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach them their own children. The value of telling God's stories, the value of passing on what God has done is so important. We need reminders of the things that God has done and tell our God's stories over and over. It's interesting, I was going through this, I found this passage in Proverbs 22. It says this, do not move the ancient boundary stones set up by your forefathers. These things that that Joshua had each one set up were memorials, boundary stones, reminders. You can go all the way in the Old Testament. You see all these things. Jacob laid his head on a rock and it became an altar. All these things throughout the Bible of posts or cornerstones or memorial stones set up by God through people to remind them. There's even wells that go back in the New, in the New Testament that were set up in the Old Testament hundreds of years ago. Before, as a reminder, this happened here. And then this scripture says, don't move the ancient boundary stones, which your fathers have set up. And then in Psalms 11.3, it says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? The value of a memorial stone, the value of a post, the value of a cornerstone is there to remind us, God did this back then, and he will do it again. We need to go back to the things that we know that God has done so that we can use that to get us through what we're going through right now. And we're warned, don't move the boundary stones. Our country was founded on 
some declarations and posts, the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. That's our, our cornerstone. That's our foundation. It's what we go back on. It's, it was founded on godly principles and morals. And ever since then, man has tried to move the posts. And we have all these things throughout life when they throughout our life, through, since 1776, that they've, moved, tried, they've been moving the posts, moving the posts in the 1960s of prayer and God out of schools, in the 70s, uh, moving the post of life. We've been moving the post of marriage. We're moving the post of sexuality and gender, and we keep moving the post. And when you move the post, the original place, you cause chaos and confusion. People don't understand. They don't know what to believe. They don't know what to stand on because the post has been moved so many times that they don't know where the original is. As believers, this is our post. This is our foundation. This is our rock and our cornerstone. This doesn't change. This is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it doesn't matter if we think this is irrelevant. It's relevant. It doesn't change. And, and the moment we try to change this is the moment we cause confusion. We need to go back to the original. We need to go back to the originator, the one who set things up. And no matter what man tries to do, God's posts, his cornerstone will not be removed. It cannot be changed. And so we, if we don't know what to say or what to do or what to think, we need to go back to the original plan. We need to go back to think. Look, it doesn't matter what our opinion is. It doesn't matter what we believe. It doesn't matter what we think it means. It means what it means. It says what it says for a reason. And we have to give up our opinion. Pastor Tom said this last Sunday in 1 Corinthians 15, 31. Paul said this, I die daily. What was Paul dying to? He was dying to his flesh. He was dying to his fears. He was dying to his failures. He was dying to everything in himself, and he was living for Christ. As believers, we die to our flesh. We die to our opinions. We die to our ideas we die to our beliefs and we stand on the standard that's been set before us and we don't move the cornerstone we stand on the rock of christ when jesus went into ministries baptized by john the baptist in matthew chapter 4 and then he's filled with the holy spirit and then he goes into the wilderness and he's fasting for 40 days and 40 nights at the end of that fast satan comes and tempts him and he says, if you are the son of God, then turn these stones into bread. And Jesus didn't give his opinion. He didn't give his belief. He didn't give his all of this. He didn't say, well, my father, this. He said this, it is written. And he went right back to Moses in, chapter, in Deuteronomy chapter 6 to what Moses told the Israelites when, before they crossed over the Jordan. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Three times Satan came and three times he said, it is written and he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 8, 13, Deuteronomy 8, 16 and he just says, it is written, it is written. Jesus didn't, ha didn't give his opinion. He said, I only say what I hear my father say and I only do what I hear my father do. It wasn't about his ideas and plans. It was about God's plans and his idea and that's what he has set out to do and we need to get rid of this idea of, well, I'm not sure the Bible's relevant for today because it was written way back then and this is what I think it means. You don't get to think. I mean, it sounds horrible. But the truth is, we don't really get to think. We've died to ourselves, And we're living for Christ. I got way ahead of myself. 
Let's go to 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 7, I'll summarize 1 through 11 and we'll read 12. The Israelites again forgot what God had done. And they started doing their own thing. They're serving their own gods. They're doing their own thing. And all of a sudden, the ark of the Lord is, is in a town. They feel like God has abandoned them. But the truth is, they've decided to do their own thing and go their own way. And now they're full of fear because the Philistines have decided, hey, we're going to circle them and we're going to come in and we're going to attack. And they're afraid and they ask for Samuel's help. And Samuel says this, if you are serious about getting right with God, then go back to your home and get rid of all your idols, get rid of all your stuff, get rid of everything that is against God, get rid of all your foreign gods, and then come and meet me at this town called Mizpah. So everybody goes back, gets rid of all their stuff, they meet Samuel at Mizpah, and they say, please don't stop praying for us. The Philistines are circling them. They're all in one place now. The Philistines are coming against them. And they're pleading to Samuel. And Samuel sacrifices a lamb. And he pleads to the Lord. And it says that the Lord's voice thundered. And the Philistines were thrown into confusion. And when they were thrown into confusion, the Israelites stood up and began to chase them and began to destroy them and dismantle their entire army. And this is what it says in 7.12. Then Samuel took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mizpah and Jeshana, and he named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So the Israelites go and they destroy the entire Philistine army. And they come back to Samuel. And Samuel takes this large stone and he sets it up and he names it the stone of help. The Ebenezer, because God got us here. Not you, not what you did. He wanted to remind everybody it was God who did this. God is the one who thundered, whose voice roared, and the Philistines were thrown in confusion. And so we're going to build this memorial called Ebenezer, the the stone of help, because he delivered us as a reminder that the God who did that will do the next thing. As a reminder to go back and tell your kids, God did that. And we have something to to rely on. The altar altar was a way of saying to the people, God will do it again. We need Ebenezer's in our life. We need markers in our journey of life. We need to remember what God did so that we can get through what we're going through and move on to the next thing that God has lined up for us. We get blinded by what's right in front of us, and we forget what's already taken place. And then we're a mess. We need to rely on God, trust God, get away from the fear of what if, and remember what God has already done to get us here, right here, today. And He will get us to the next thing. So my question this morning for you that I want you to think about for the remainder of this message is this. What things in your life in 2020 have happened where you can say, God did this? What things have happened in your life this year in 2020 and you can say, God did this? God did that. Nothing else. 
That's what God did. Maybe, maybe you're having trouble in 2020. You can't think of anything. Go back to 2019. Write down the next thing that you can remember. Hey, God did this in my life. He answered this prayer. I saw him move here. I experienced him here. I encountered his presence here. Write that down. Because we have a tendency to forget the things we're supposed to remember. Write it down. What has God done? And if you're having trouble, just quietly ask God to reveal to you the last thing that he did in your life. I think the more we look back, the more surprised we'll be at, what the, thing, at the things that God has done in our life. We need to remember, we need reminders of what has happened and that God can and will do it again. That the God who got us here will get us there. We like to call them mountaintop experiences with our kids, whether it's Belize or if it's our summer camp or it's um, our I Must conference or other things we do. Those are mountaintop experiences. We go to encounter God for one, for, and that's the reason. Yeah, we go and we have fun, but the idea is to encounter God. So whether you call it a mountaintop experience or um, uh, an Ebenezer or a, a memorial or a foundation, either whatever you call it, it's a way of remembering and celebrating the success God has given us along the way in pursuing our God-given destiny. In 2018, uh, we took our junior hires and our high schoolers to Spencer Lake Bible Camp. And uh, when we got there, we put all our stuff in our cabins, and then we had free time, and we were walking around. And as I was walking around this camp, I was flooded with all these memories of when I was a teenager. Because I was living in the suburbs of Chicago at the time, going to Christian Hills Church. My grandfather was the pastor. My father was one of the associate pastors. And a highlight was going to camp, and we went to Spencer Lake Bible Camp. We, we uh, went with this church, which was MGT at the time, Madison Gospel Tabernacle, and we went with Fond du Lac Gospel Tabernacle and all these other churches in the area. And it was a highlight of the summer because they got to see people that I'd only see once a year for a week. When I was 16 years old, I went to camp, and I was there to see my friends. I was there to flirt. I was there for canteens. I was there for sports. That's why I went to camp. See people I hadn't seen, to be with people that I liked to be with, and to just enjoy the time. And I can honestly tell you, I don't remember anything that was said during that whole week of camp, except for the last night. Last night, I'm sitting in the back row with all of my friends. I'm waiting for the service to be over so that we can go to the canteen and hang out the last night because it was a longer night. We got to stay up later. Our speakers that weekend were Rich Wilkerson and Dave Reaver. If you don't know who they are, they're powerful men that God used mightily, incredible stories and miracles that have happened in their lives. And something happened in the middle of that service, and all of a sudden they had my attention. And I began to listen. And as I began to listen, there was something happening on the inside of me that I couldn't explain. But at the end of the service, when they got the call, I found myself standing up and screaming, I want the cross. I want the cross. I want the cross. And instead of going to the canteen, I ran up to the altar. And when I was at the altar, God called me into ministry. That was my Ebenezer moment. That was one of those things that I go back and remember, you called me. I didn't want to go into the ministry. I grew up in the church. I didn't want to be a pastor. There's enough pastors in our church. I didn't want to be a pastor. But God called me into the ministry. That's one of those things that I go back to that he did. And he reminded me when I went to camp two years ago. This is where I called you. We need to have those in our life. So with all the craziness and the things that have happened in 2020, 
The beginning of the year started out great. God was moving on me. He was moving. He was saying some specific things to me about ministry and then the pandemic. And we weren't able to do any of the things that we had planned to do. We weren't able to go on our spring retreat. We weren't able to go to Belize or camp or do anything. Um, And then we started meeting in person outside because the Zoom thing just wasn't working. And right away, we were amazed at not only the response of people that came out, but there was something different. God was doing something, and we all recognized it. We didn't know what it was. We didn't know what he was doing, but we recognized God was doing something. And we decided we were going to do our I Must Youth Conference um, anyway, and we were going to do it different than we've ever done it. We were going to go up to Baraboo at Expeditions Unlimited, and we were going to ask Pastor Tom. He was going to be our speaker. We were going to get our own worship team, and there was high expectation that God was going to do something incredible that weekend, and he did. He did far greater than we could have anticipated and expected, um, and you've heard some of those things. Pastor Thomas shared it, and I'm going to invite, I want to invite two of our teens to come up. I want you to hear um, what God has done, what God did at I Must in one of our students, and what God's been doing uh, in 2020 in another one of our students, because this is what I believe. We need to hear what God is doing. We need to hear the stories of the things that God is doing, especially when we feel like everything's caving in, especially when we feel like, hey, we're hearing more negative than positive. We need to retell the stories, and we need to hear the things that that God is doing. So I want you to listen and hear the things that God has done with some of our students. Hi, I'm Amber. Usually I would never be up here because it makes me so nervous. Another reason to not share would be that I don't even know myself what happened between me and God at I Must. Even though I have two reasons to not be up here speaking, I felt like God wanted me to share. The last night of I Must was the most amazing night. You could feel that God's presence was just in that room among all the teens. They said to come up if you felt God telling you to come up. I knew that God was telling me to come up because I was shaking a lot. I still was like, no, I am not coming up. I turned to my friend Alexa and told her that, and told her, and she was like, go up now. So very unwillingly, I went up to the front. I am so glad that Alexa pushed me to do it. Once I got up there, I fell almost immediately, and it was the most amazing. I know I keep using that word, but I don't know how else to describe it. So it was the most amazing thing ever. I just felt God's presence and just laid there in his presence for quite a bit. Hi, my name is Cheyenne. Um, And Pastor Derek asked me to share what God has been doing uh, during my life during 2020. For starters, I've been going to church my whole life and accept Jesus uh, at a young age. I only started coming to City Church, actually. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Um, I only started coming to City Church uh, when the summer um, youth group started. I was invited by a friend to come enjoy a night of games and worship. From the very beginning of attending youth group, I felt like God was calling me to stay, and I really wanted to. Wednesday evenings were and are the highlight of my week. During the sermons on those nights, things that I've heard in church before just seemed to click and make so much more sense to me. There were a few weeks during the beginning of autumn where the focus of the messages were on spiritual gifts. 
On the last night of those messages, Ted Gary came and talked, especially about the baptism of the Spirit and speaking in tongues. He then came, he, sorry, <laughs> he then continued and said that if we felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to be prayed for and to ask for the baptism of the Spirit, then we should do so. He gave a rundown of how it would go. We would go up, say what we wanted to be prayed for, and then we would be prayed for. And then out of, out of faith, we would begin speaking in our own prayer language. That's essentially how it went for me. I went up, um, and Pastor Derek prayed for me, uh, and I asked for the gift to speak in tongues and for the gift of prophecy. He prayed for me and began speaking in his own language, all the while encouraging me to speak. I was terrified. I didn't think I was going to be real. I thought I would just either not be able to say anything or what I would say would be fake. That wasn't true at all. When I finally worked up the guts to open my mouth and use my vocal cords, it just started spilling out. I was talking faster than I can in English, and I was so overwhelmed with utter joy and awe of what had just happened and what was happening. After that, uh, Derek continued to say that he felt that I would be a healer and a medicine with my words to others. Since then, I feel this unexplainable closeness to God, especially when I pray in my language. It's like nothing can interrupt my conversation with him, and he's the only one who can understand my words. I also continue to try to hear what he's telling me, whether, he, whether that be through scripture, worship, prayer, or just trying to go about my everyday life. I will say I fail at that sometimes, <laughs> or a lot of times. I just want to close in saying that life is never going to be a walk in the park. Just because God is working in my life in ways that I can't even imagine, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be exempt from struggles. There will be trials put in place to test our strength, and there will be they're there to see if we can endure the struggle and still come out with enough strength to keep saying, you are my God, and you know what's best for me and what's ahead. Even when I can't see, you're still guiding me, and you love me more than anyone else can. Don't give up when things get hard. and Know that God is always rooting for you and has so much more planned for you. Open your hearts to him and work in, to work in ways that you can't even imagine. You won't be disappointed. Wow. Aren't you encouraged? Uh, I get so pumped when I hear. I was there, but my experience is different than their experience. I've had different experiences in 2020 than many of you had, but we've had God experiences. We've had God encounters. We've had things that have happened in our life that we can fall back on and go, God did that, and he did it for me. That's awesome. I get so pumped. I was over there just like, oh, I got duck bumps everywhere. We challenged our kids at the end of the I Must Conference. He said, write down what God did in your life in this week. Write it down and put it in a place where you're going to see it and remind yourself. It's so important that we write these things down, that we put them in places. But before we left, I said, find a leaf, find a stick, find a stone. Find something to remind you of I must 
2020. I left that retreat just filled, filled up. And I came home and I just reflected and just took time to take it all in. And I was shared, we shared on Wednesday, our kids shared their testimonies and stories. It was powerful, powerful Wednesday. And I had this idea. I told you at the beginning of the service, I have a lot of ideas, but I had this idea for the last couple of days and it just wouldn't go away. I shared it with my wife, Sarah. She thought it was cool. We went on vacation to North Carolina and uh, I just kept thinking about it. And we went to church on Sunday and the pastor opened up with Deuteronomy chapter six, starting in verse five. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up and tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. As he read that, I felt God say, it's not your idea, it's my idea. I was like, okay. (laughs) I didn't hear another thing the pastor said, that whole message. I was typing out the message for Wednesday that I was going to give to our youth when we got home. And when I finished that, I emailed Steve. He's the camp director at Expeditions Unlimited where we had our I Must conference. And I just said, hey, Steve, thank you. Thanks for an incredible weekend, for everything that you did for us. This is what some of the things that God did. And here's an idea that I have. What do you think? He got back to me right away and he said, I love, love this. Let's talk more about the future and let's, let's meet up when you get back. So when we got back from our vacation, we, I headed up to Baraboo. We talked about the conference again. We talked about some future dates and things that we might do up there. And he said, tell me more about this idea. And I said, I said Steve, I just want a rock. I want a big rock as a reminder, as an Ebenezer of what God did at I Must 2020. He's like, all right, we got plenty of rocks around here. Let's go. Do you know what you're looking for? And I was like, nope. But I said, when I see it, I'll know it. And so we walked around. We went to this first pile, and we're, you know, we're looking around. We're talking. And I just saw it was right by Steve's feet. I said, there it is. It's right there. And so he picked it up, and I brought it home. And I brought it to our teens, and I just said, this is our Ebenezer for 2020. This is a reminder that through all the crud that's happened in 2020, that is our reminder of what God did. This is where we go back to. Remember when? Remember I must, 2020? I remember when I was crying on the floor. I remember when I was shaking and I didn't want to go up, but I went up anyway. I was remember laying in the presence of God and Him speaking to me. That's our Ebenezer. We need Ebenezers. Amen. Praise the Lord. We need Ebenezers in our life. We need memorials. We need things to remind us God did that. And no one can take that away from me. I've told our students this many times. People can, can doubt your encounter with God. They can doubt your experience. They can even discourage you. They can doubt the miracles that you've experienced. But you were there. And you know what God did. And no one can take that away from you. That's your moment. Those are the things that God did for you. Those are the things that he spoke to you because he's a personal God who cares about our every need, who just invites us into intimacy with him. And when we make a place for him, he'll show up. 
And he'll do things that we never thought he can do. And instead of looking at the things right in front of us and we don't think there's an answer or there's a solution or there's not going to get any better, sometimes we just need to fall back and remember what God's already done and that he will get us through this next thing as well. Amen? A few weeks ago, I'm reading my Bible and I'm reading John. And I get to John chapter 6. And Jesus is feeding the 5,000. And there's this big long thing that's going on. We need to feed them. How are we going to feed them? We don't have any money. It would take this much. And, and they said, well, we have two fish and five small loaves. And Jesus has them sit in, their, in, in pockets all over the grass. And the disciples still doubted and God prayed or Jesus prayed and, and they began to pass out the food and it says that there was more than enough. When everyone had their fill and were satisfied, Jesus looked at his disciples and he said, gather the fragments that remain so that nothing is wasted. And I stopped. And I said, why? Like, why? Why does Jesus have them gather the fragments that remain? Why didn't they just let the people take them home? That wasn't going to be wasted. They would just take them home and eat it later or whatever. Why did Jesus have the disciples pick up the fragments? It says they picked them up and there was 12 basketfuls of pieces. The fragments represent, they're the evidence of the miracle that took place. They were a reminder to the disciples that Jesus could do anything. Just make room. Just give opportunity. The fragments are evidence of the miracle. They're evidence of God's presence. They're evidence of the things that he wants to do in each one of our lives, the things that he's already done. So what are the fragments in your life? What are the pieces, what are the things that God has done in your life? The evidence of the miracle in your life that God was there, that God did that and he'll do it again. See, God is working and many times our eyes are, are closed off to the things that he's, he's done because we're focused on what's right in front of us. And we need to look back. We need to set up, set up some things to remind us, no, God has done some things in my life and he'll do them again. It doesn't matter what I'm facing right now. <clears throat> the worship team can come on up. What are the evidence? What is the evidence of what God has done in your life? Write it down. Journal it. Go back and read it over and over and over again. About 15 years ago, a friend of mine told me I needed to read more fiction. My argument was, look, I don't have enough time to read as it is. And if I'm going to read, I'm going to read something that's spiritually uplifting, read my Bible more, do something like that. And he's like, that's great. You should read your Bible more. And you should read materials that are going to build you up in ministry. You should also read leadership books, and you should read fiction. And what he was telling me was, you need to relax. <clears throat> and he told me, you need to journal more. And I need, I, I tried to journal several times. I've tried to write every single day what my day was like, and it became a duty. I tried to write out my prayers. I can't do it. I, there's, there's a lot of ways to journal. I journal different. I just I write down things that God speaks to me, that I read in books or my Bible, things that just grab my attention, and that's what I write down. And then I go back and I reread it. 
I'm reminded of the things that God has spoken. I write down every, every sign somebody has a word for me. I either have them write it down or I go right to my journal. I write it in there. As a reminder, God wanted to say something to me. <clears throat> this, in the first service, I said it was September, but it was, I went back and looked again. Last intimacy with God. I had a good friend of mine, someone who's always encouraged me in ministry. He always has a smile on my face, always uh, his face, always put his arm around me and just told me, you're doing a good job. And he said, hey, I want to pray for you. God just gave me a word for you. And he said this, there's something that is coming that is going to give you great delight. And I was like, okay, I'll take that. Receive. <laughs> Bring it. So I wrote it in my journal. I don't know what that means. I don't know when that is. But I want it. And so I just put that down as a memorial, as a marker. And that, that man was Roger uh, Olson. And it was the last time that I had a face-to-face. So to me, it becomes an Ebenezer. It becomes something I fall back on. That God told that man, that friend, to pray for me and to give me that. We need those things in our life that we can go back to and go, no, God spoke this. Something's coming. It doesn't matter what I'm facing right now. Something's coming. So we have a tendency to quickly forget the miracles that God has done. Tell people. Take pictures. Write it down. Pick up a stone. Do whatever you have to, but remember. <clears throat> Don't forget what God wants you to remember. Remember. Because the God who did it before will do it again. I've had more than one person come up to me and say, hey, you know what, I feel really bad. I know 2020 has been really hard for a lot of people. But I've just experienced the blessings of God throughout 2020. And I had to talk to them and just say, don't, don't feel bad. Tell, tell what God is doing. We need to hear what God is doing. Because even when we're facing when I'm facing something hard, when I hear somebody else tell their testimony, when we hear stories of what God is doing in our teens, we're encouraged. It lifts us up. We should never feel bad about telling other people what God is doing. In fact, we should be encouraged to do it more because it builds up our spirit. It encourages others. It says something that God is on the move despite what we see and feel around us. God is on the move. Tell your story. Tell your kids Tell the people you work with. Tell your family members, this is what God has done. So worship team is going to play this song. <clears throat> While they're playing, I want you to take your index card and I want you to write down at least one thing that God has done in your life in 2020. A fragment, a piece. What is one thing that God has done in your life in 2020? And I'll say it again, if you can't think of anything, ask God to remind you the things that he's done because I guarantee you he's done more than you can imagine, more than you can think about. Ask him to remind you, bring to your remembrance the things that he's done. But write down at least one thing and then just, just listen to this song and I'm gonna come back up and we'll close off. Can you stand with me? Hold your card. is just fragments of the miracles that God has done in your life. This is just a piece. But it's what we can fall back on. God did this. We're just saying He is for you. He is with you. 
He's beside you. He's behind you. He's leading you. Just know that He is for you. And it's not just for you. It's for your children and their children. He's a God of more than enough. So Lord, we lift these fragments to you and we say thank you for the things you've done in each of our lives. For the miracle that is that we're here today. And God, we we recognize there's an enemy that's trying to destroy us and take us out. But God, you are bigger and you are stronger and there's nothing that he can do to thwart your plans. So God, we give you our life. We give you our heart. We give you all that we are. We give you our opinions, our ideas, what we believe, and we stand on your truth of your word, and we say, God, lead us. Lead us, and where you lead, we will follow. And when we're discouraged, when we feel like you've abandoned us, God, we will fall back on the fragments of the miracles that you've done in our life, and we will give you the glory and the praise. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.